You've heard it before. A picture's worth a thousand words. It basically means this, that one picture can describe to you so much better and so much fuller, you can capture a lot better what something means than trying to use a whole bunch of words to describe it. Now, if I was to say to you, many of you know we went to Disney uh, in December. We're excited to take our kids and grandkids. And if I said our grandkids had a great time, you, know, you kind of think you're my, yeah, they had a fun time. I want, I want to show you a couple pictures that might help you capture that just a little bit more. The first one. This is, uh, anybody's been there, they had this big show at the end of the day at Magic Kingdom when um, Tinkerbell comes out of the Magic Kingdom. And they got this music and everything. And I'll tell you, when these two kids saw it, man, it was, uh, they were just like, wow. Now there was an old guy sitting next to him whose mouth was open. We cut him out of the picture. That was me. But uh, I mean, it was like, wow, I mean, just the it, was the, it was so cool to just see what happened. Now, the next one took place at Mickey and Minnie's dance party. And uh, you can see the excitement and the thrill and the fun. So, you know, the, the words kind of say, oh, yeah, they had, they had a good time. The pictures say, whoa, that was really a special time for them. And, you know, metaphors are used in scripture to give us pictures to capture a little bit better the truth that God is trying to teach to us. They're like kind of like, you know, metaphors are those word pictures in scripture that help us capture truth better than a thousand words when you try to capture it. They kind of take a truth that God is trying to communicate to us and put it in high definition. It's kind of like from a black and white TV to a color TV, you know? So metaphors are used by God the same way that pictures are to help us capture things that we just can't get with words. And there's a bit of biblical metaphor for the church that I wanna share with us this morning that's gonna teach us two things about the church. Just how vital the church of Jesus Christ is and how vitalizing the church is. That's what this image is gonna teach us. If you're with us last week, you know we're doing a series right now called Revitalize. It's a call back to life in Christ. Uh, it's that call after that big cultural earth shake that has shaken our world and shaken our lives the last couple years. And people are kinda of got this new normal of the way they're doing things and not all these new normals are good and healthy. And many of those new normals have hit the church. And what we want to do in this series is go back to the kingdom normal, the eternal normal that God created for his people, the church. And we're going to take a look at Acts 2 as our foundational passage that we'll work off of to kind of see what was the normals of this newborn church. Kind of like a newborn baby, like we said last week. You know what? Nobody taught them they're supposed to breathe, they're supposed to cry, they're supposed to move. They just do that. That's the natural signs of life. And there's some natural things we learn in the early church in the book of Acts that uh, become the norms 
by which as we take a compass and say, okay, this whole world and my whole life and the church has been thrown off kilter, where's the northern point of the compass? The northern point of the compass is in Acts 2. And we're gonna go back there and look at the norms in that church to say what should be normal for my life and my church. So that's what we're trying to do with this series. And before I give you the image, let me remind you about two important truths about the church. First of all, the church is not the building. Uh, I'm gonna go to church this morning, so what do we do? We, uh, we, we go to a building on 127th Street, 6300 West 127th, uh, that's not the church. The church is not a Sunday morning service. Uh, you know, so I'm gonna go to church. Well, where do you go to church every Sunday? So we start to think of the church as a building, a location, an event that takes place on Sunday morning. We may even think of the church as programs that are scheduled throughout the week. But this is the church, and we, we need to keep on reminding ourselves of this. The church is the people of Jesus Christ. And it's the people of Jesus Christ living with one another in interacting with one another. You can be an individual believer, but you can't be an individual church. You see, you can be a believer that walks by himself, uh, but you can't be in the church and walk by yourself. The church is the people of God, and as they gather and interact beyond even Sunday morning, that's the church. Let me remind you a second thing about the church. It's not just the people. The church has got a mission, and the mission is threefold. There's an upward mission to God, and the mission is to bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. That's mission number one, top priority, an upward mission to bring glory to God. Our second one is an inward mission, which really has to do with one another, to build each other's lives and uh, their, their, their life together and our mission as well as to care for one another. So we're to build one another in our life and our mission, and we're to care for one another. That's part of the purpose of the church. But there's a third one, and that's outward, and that's bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the lost world around us. So we're the people of God, we are the church. And we've been created in this time as God expresses his kingdom through the church of Jesus Christ in this age, to bring glory to God. We're the instrument through whom he brings, the glory is brought back to him. We are the instrument through which we build and care for one another and we're the instrument by which he takes the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ to the lost world around us. So what's that image? As we keep all that in mind, the image is simply this. We are the body of Christ. That's the metaphor. By the way, a metaphor doesn't say it's like. Metaphor says it is a simile, uses the word like. A metaphor uses the word is or are. And the, the reality of who we are as a spiritual body of Jesus is a picture, a metaphor that God gives us to help us better capture the truth of who we are and how vital the church of Jesus really is and how vitalizing it is to our life when we participate in it. 
that figure of the church is simply in scripture, Jesus is the head. We as the believers are his body. We see this referred to many times in the New Testament. I just want to take you to one verse and show that to you. In Ephesians 1, through 23, it says this, and he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is, not to say is like, but is his body. Spiritually, we are the body of Christ. And I want to, this morning, try to open up that picture and help us better comprehend just how vital we are as the body of Christ and how vitalizing we can be to one another as we live as the church together. So let's start with the church is vital. I want to try to establish what I mean by the church is vital. Um, I think in many of our minds, when we think of the word vital, we think of the synonym as important or very important. I want to tell you, vital, I believe, is three notches above important. And let me try to illustrate it this way. Probably about 10 years ago or so, I was in the backyard painting, and uh, I did a foolish thing for somebody, and I was on the ladder, and it was one of those double windows, and rather than moving the ladder, I decided to stretch. Well, guess what? I stretched far enough that I fell off the ladder, and I severely separated my shoulder. I mean, it was so bad, they had to take me away in an ambulance, and... Um, ended up with surgery, surgery eventually. Uh, it really limited my life and my functioning. It was painful. Uh, it was very serious. Well, about a year later, again, down in Oaxaca, this was a different time, and uh, I remember being there, and a report came in one of the meetings that one of the pastors had to leave. Jose was his name. And Jose had to go home because his mother-in-law fell off a ladder. And she separated her shoulder. But she had a heart attack as well. And she was rushed to the hospital. So Jose had to leave the meetings in the mountains of Oaxaca and go back home to be with his wife and his mother-in-law. She had a heart attack. You see, a separated shoulder is important. <laughs> but a heart attack is vital. It can be painful. It can limit our functionality. It can do a lot of things to separate your shoulder. And if you've ever been there, you know what I'm talking about. But when you have a heart attack, brothers and sisters, if that one doesn't get fixed, the ball game's done. It really doesn't matter where your shoulder is at. So yes, the shoulder is important. It's very important, but the heart is vital. And I'm here to tell you this morning that the church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, you and me who are the church, are not just important to what God is doing in the world. We are vital to what God is doing in the world. The church of Jesus Christ is vital. It's as vital as the heart. So what is a body? You know, it's a, it's a word picture, the metaphor, right? It's supposed to help us Capture it? Well, let's stop and think for a minute what a body is. 
We learned recently in a series that uh, we're kind of as people made up of three parts. We have a spirit, a soul, and a body. Our spirit is that innermost part of our being, according to Jesus, out of the innermost part of our being, speaking of the spirit, will flow uh, rivers of living water of the spirit living in us. Well, the spirit, there's two important functions of the spirit. James, I think it's chapter two, the last verse says, without the spirit, the body's dead. It's the life principle within us. That's where life resides, in the spirit. And the spirit is that part of us that connects with God. It's that part that has a relationship and connects with God. So at the core of our being, we're made up of spirit. We're spiritual people. And either your spirit is alive to God in relationship or it's dead to him, still under the control of sin. So that's the deepest part of who we are. But then we're made up of a soul. That's that invisible internal part of us where our personality is, our mind, our will, our emotions, our passions, our desires, our appetites, the list goes on and on. That's that inside part of us that makes me uniquely me and you uniquely you. And it's that part of us that helps us relate to one another. See, the spirit is that part that relates to God. Our soul is that part that's made up that helps us relate to one another as people. But then we have a body. And I think it's David Needham that says this. He calls our body our earth suit. Now think of an astronaut, and he goes up to the moon, and he's got on a space suit, right? The person is inside of the suit, and that suit equips them to live in that environment in the moon, and without it, they couldn't live. Our body's the same thing. It's our earth suit, it's the thing that God gives us where the person inside of us, the real person, is able to live and engage in the world around us. So the spirit is that part that relates to God. Our soul is that part that relates to one another. And our body is the one that helps us live and relate to this material world which we go through. And what happens? Our spirit and our soul express themselves through this, I'm going to call it vehicle. This instrument, this body, the real person, the one that will live on forever, even in heaven with God or in hell apart from him, that's the real person. And the body is the container, the earth suit in which we interact with this world in. So I'm going to say it this way, that invisible part of our life expresses itself through our visible material, our invisible spiritual life expresses itself through our visible material body. So that's the part that we see. You know, if, if Pat's spirit and soul came up here and no body today, you wouldn't see me. You identify Pat Peglo, that person, that soul, uh, that makeup with this body, so you see and identify Pat Peglo with this body. You follow me? Well, the church is vital because we are the body of Christ. The invisible spirit of God lives inside of the church, and guess what he does? 
he expresses himself through the body. He now lives in the church and expresses himself through the church. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1 and keep your Bibles open. Ephesians 1, we'll be looking at a few passages there today. But turn to Ephesians chapter 1. You might want to say in many ways today, we're Jesus' earth suit <laughs> right here on earth. We are the vehicle he's chosen to express himself through. In Ephesians 1, when we come to verses 22, which we started to look at, I want to just read a little further than we did in the PowerPoint. Ephesians 1, says this, and he put all things in subjection under Jesus' feet. That's God the Father put all things in subjection under Jesus' feet and gave Jesus as the head over all things to the church, which is his body, not just like his body, which is his body. Then he explains it. What does that equal? The fullness of him who fills all in all. The fullness of Jesus is expressed through his church today, and he is in every one of his children. Now, going on to chapter 2, and we see the same truth as you look starting in verse 19, but he's going to change figures on us, but he's going to bring us back to the same point, uh, that we are the dwelling place of God right here on earth. Starting in verse 19, he's going to use now the figure of a building, the metaphor, the word picture. And he says this, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. Now, what's the temple? It's taking an Old Testament picture for us, an image to help us understand the temple is the place where God dwelt on earth in the Old Testament. And so when we hear about people loving to go to the temple, it's because they love to go to the place where God's presence is. And so God right now is building us and fitting us together into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, we are the place that God has chosen to dwell on earth today. We, yeah, I individually, every one of us who believe are indwelt by the Spirit, but together we make the temple of God. We're the fullness of Christ because the, you know, while I fully have Jesus in my life, I don't fully express who Jesus is. I only have certain gifts to express certain portions of who Jesus is. But we together, the fullness of Christ is explained through the body of Christ and experienced and seen and identified because where does the world see Jesus now? They see the world through you and me. And the only thing they can understand about Jesus with a picture, you know, we're going around giving them all our words about who Jesus is. Well, now there's a picture that God has given and that's the body of Christ and the people. And now when they look at the church, 
They should be able to say, ah, now I see what Jesus looks like. Now I understand that in a way that's way different, just the words they've been talking about. Remember that song? Uh, they used to sing, uh, we are the body. If his uh, arms are reaching, you know, why aren't his arms reaching? Why aren't his hands healing? Why aren't his words teaching? And if we are the body, why aren't his feet going? And why aren't we showing them by our love that there is a way? You know, and so that song, you know, just kind of saying the same truth. We are the body of Jesus. We are the ones he now expresses his life through. And the church is vital. We, together, not Pat individually, not you, but we together, Moraine Valley Church, a local expression of God's church, is vital because locally, we are where God has chosen as the people to bring glory to him, to care for and build one another, to bring the gospel to the lost, and to display the life of Jesus to one another in the world around us so we get a picture of what Jesus looks like. Does that sound vital to you? <laughs> That's more than important, guys. That's vital. The church of Jesus Christ is vital. And the thing I want to bring to us second of all through this picture is this. The church of Jesus Christ is vitalizing. It brings vitality to our life, a spiritual vitality uh, that is so essential to who we are. Let me catch up on my notes. You know, by vitality, I'm talking about the fact that we're full of a spiritual exuberance. There's a robustness to our spiritual life. There's a liveliness, a vibrancy, a vigor. You might want to say a spring to our step in our spiritual life. That's, that's what vitality is. There's that energy. There's that, uh, that vigor. And when a person's life is filled with the spirit of Jesus and they're experiencing the graces that God brings into our life, you can't help but have a vitalized life. Matter of fact, Jesus called that he came that we might have life and might have it abundantly. Now, if you're here this morning and say, man, I don't have that abundant life. I, I don't get that. I go to church and I try to be a good Christian and I try to walk morally. But the vitality, that vigor, that abundance seems to be missing. I'm gonna tell you what, I believe with all my heart and I trust you will by the time I get done here that many times it's because we may be walking as individual believers, but are we interacting with the church, with one another, the place that God has created to vitalize and revitalize and re-energize my life in Jesus Christ? You see, the church, I think, is one of the greatest gifts and greatest graces that God has given to his people. And we will only experience that if we are engaging with, both giving to and receiving from the church. Um, 
I don't, I don't, I wish I had a better way to illustrate this, but if you're a surfer and you got a surfboard, if you don't go down by the waves in the water, it doesn't do you any good. And if you're a believer in Jesus and you're not connecting with other believers, it just doesn't work. We need to be interacting with one another more than just on Sunday morning, more than just in a program, in a, in a way that we revitalize one another. Because we are the people, by the way, whom Jesus lives. And let me tell you two ways he does it. One is he's given us spiritual gifts. So what's a spiritual gift? A spiritual gift is a supernatural ability that the Spirit of God gives to every one of us to be able to minister the life of Jesus to other people around us. That's what a spiritual gift is. It's a manifestation of the Spirit of God through my life and your life. And every one of us, according to the Bible, has at least one spiritual gift, probably more than one. And we have them to different degrees. We have different kinds. We have different amounts. We have different degrees of giftedness. And every one of them, according to Corinthians, is according to God's will because every one of us has been placed in the body and gifted as God has willed and then he says this, for the common good. My gift is not for myself, it's for the sake of the rest of the body. And so when we are operating with our gifts, guess what? Everybody else benefits. It's for the common good of the whole church. But if we're, our view of church is, it's a building on 127th that we come to on Sunday morning for a couple hours, and I really don't interact with many people, but I sit there and as I sing songs when they're singing songs and I listen when they preach and I leave when I leave, you haven't, you, you, you've just, you've experienced one small portion of what God has designed his church to be. And you're missing out on the unique giftedness that God is bringing through his people. Just to mention, the gift of administration. Basically, that helps you organize. <laughs> you know, I, my good friend Mike Stabile, many years ago, he came alongside. I had a lot of ideas. I had these things, but I didn't know how to pull them off. They were all just sitting here. But Mike had some gifts of administration that was able to take those things and help take what I had here that was rolling in my heart that I didn't know what to do with and put them on the streets and make them actually work for the common good and benefit some other people. You know, some of you, some of us, some of need people with the gift. How about the gift of discernment? I don't know what's going on in my life. I can't figure this out. Something's not right. You know, I don't know if it's me. I don't know if it's the devil. I don't know what's going on, what the core issue is. And you know what? Somebody with the gift of discernment is able to come and put their finger on and say, this is what's going on. But if we don't get around people that have these different gifts, that doesn't happen. How about the gift of encouragement? Anybody been discouraged? Anybody feel just like, man, I, I, I don't, you know, I might as well give up. I've lost hope. Well, some people have got a supernatural ability from God for the Spirit of God to express from them just the word you need at that moment. But if you're not interacting with people, the people of God, you're not going to experience that. How about the gift of faith? You know, sometimes... We want, we hope, and we wish that God will do something, and we just seem to have, you know, just the mustard seed of faith, which God will honor. But there's some people come in, they got a mountain of faith. 
because God has given them a supernatural ability to believe God and they come along. They're kind of like the four people on this stretcher for the guy who came in front of Jesus and they came, brought him down because he couldn't get there himself. But these four believe that Jesus, if they just got to Jesus or that woman, if I just touched the hem of his garment, you know, some of us need others to come alongside of us and believe along with us and for us. How about the gift of helps? Just sometimes we need help. Life is overwhelming. It can be all the way from maintaining the vehicle of my body. <laughs> our bodies break down, don't they? Um, you know, I, I love the vehicle. Our cars break down. They need a lot of maintenance. They need a lot of care. You got to wash them every once in a while. You got to change the oil. You got you know, with our bodies, it takes a lot of maintenance, a lot of work. And sometimes we get in a place where we just got more going on in life than I can really manage and be healthy. Well, God's given people in the body of Christ that have the gift of helps. And they love, and matter of fact, by the way, if you got the gift, you love to do it. You don't have to. You, can, you say, I don't believe I get to do this. Whoa, there's an opportunity. I'm there. Wow, thank you, Jesus. And this is fun. How about mercy? You ever been hurting? I mean, you're just, wow. Life is not going well. It's not just encouraging. You need somebody not to come and, you don't need Pastor Pat to come in and teach you what God is doing. You need somebody to come put their arm around you and just listen and love and care and hug. Sometimes we just need the mercy of the Spirit of God through somebody else. How about wisdom? <laughs> Somebody who's able to take all the pieces that you're saying, man, I, just, I, I know this, I know that, I just don't know what to do with it. And somehow God just gives them the kind of wisdom. I almost feel like you're living with somebody who's the book of Proverbs. And they are able just to put this together in a way that all of a sudden it makes sense. Are you following me, guys? This is, this is what the church is. That's what the church does. That's how the church lives. And if we're isolated from the church, if we're isolated from one another and we see the church only as an hour and a half experience on Sunday, we are missing out on the graces that God is bringing to his people through the church. Let me tell you another way that God has created us to operate. It's called the one another's in scripture. The one another's are the way that God has called us to bless and minister to one another. It's in the body of Christ, okay? It's the way that we walk with one another. I'm not talking about spiritual gifts now. This is just, it's family responsibilities. You follow me? You know, um, Kim certainly can cook better than I can. Um, but, you know, she, she's much more gifted at that. I, I really don't do that well. But I got responsibilities to help clean up the dishes, set the table, do, you know, you know there's family responsibilities, that we all jump in on. And there's church family responsibilities. You may not be gifted in these, but we're all called to live this way. And it's, it's called the reciprocal pronoun, if you want to get into the grammar of it, which means I return and do measure. That means this. If this person is exercising this to me with 100% of who they are and all they got, I should be giving back to them with 100% and all I am. So if they're giving 100% and I'm only giving 10% back in return, that's not, the, that's not the one another's of scripture. The one another says, I'm all in for you and you're all in for me. You follow me? And I just summarized on a PowerPoint different one another's in scripture. We're to be devoted to one another. 
Wouldn't it be great to know there's some people who not only just are friends or we talk to or text, they're, they're devoted to my care. Now, we, you know, by the way, guys, we can't do this with everybody, but we better be doing it with somebody. That's the value of small groups, by the way. You know, what we come to church and say, man, how do I do this with everybody? Well, you know, we got to break it down into smaller groups. Small groups is a great place to do this. Whether it be a church-structured small group or you say, I got some other people I'm going to connect with, but somehow this is the way we're to live. We'll be devoted. This is somebody who's devoted to me, who cares about what happens in my life. They're going to give preference. No, no, you go first. No, you go first. No, you, you're kind of like, the picture I get is we're both kind of bowing to one another. We walk across the room and our heads bang into each other because we're so busy trying to say, no, no, you go. No, 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 no. We used to do that when we went to uh, Burger King every Friday night. My buddies Mick and Kelly and Randy at the military because we'd stand at the counter and we'd all grab our wallets when the bill came but we all acted like the, our, our wallet was stuck in the back. I'll get, no, 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 I'll get, no, no, I'll get, no, no, no. The poor lady at the counter thought, these guys are nuts. Because you got these four Marines going, no, no, no. You know, but it's giving preference to one another. Regarding one another is more important than myself. Wow. <laughs> Could you imagine living with somebody who thinks you're actually more important than them? Loving one another, bearing each other's burdens, being subject to one another. Okay, I'm going to listen to what you say. Are you going to listen to what I got to say now? Teaching one another. So this isn't just Sunday morning and whoever the pastor is or the lay leader is who's preaching and teaching the word. This is the personal one another helping each other understand what God has to say through his word regarding how we're to live. Admonishing one hey careful. I wouldn't go there. You know, is somebody close enough in your life to be able to warn you and you to receive that warning when that's needed? Encourage. We talked about it. That's actually a spiritual gift, but we're all responsible to do that. How about to stimulate one another to love and good deeds? Hey, you know what? I know you got this gift. You know what? There's a need over there. Maybe you, maybe you could do that. Let me, let me st stimulate you. To loving those people and good deeds. Here's a big one. Here's a life changer. Who, who, who do you know well enough you can confess your sins to? And pray for one another that God would heal you. That's what we're to be doing. So I think you could imagine what would happen if now I'm living with other believers in such a way that the spiritual gifts are now impacting one another and we are living like the one another, do you think that would add a little vitality to your spiritual life? You see, the church isn't only vital because this is, we're the people, the place that God has chosen to live through here on earth in this day to bring him glory and to minister to one another and to the lost, but we're also the people through whom he works through with one another to revitalize our lives. And we're dependent upon one another. We really are. We, this is the way I like to say it. We are utterly dependent upon God and we're interdependent upon one another, just like the body, because what does the body that receives? It's from the head, everything it needs. But I need all the other parts of the body to operate my physical body. That's the picture, right? 
We know that from our own bodies and we know it from the infirmities of our own bodies. Turn to Ephesians chapter four and let's look at this real quick. Ephesians chapter four, verse 15. He says this, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects in him. There's our goal, to become like Jesus, even as a church, which is the fullness of him. You know what? Not only individually are we to become more like Jesus, but corporately we're to become more like Jesus. And we're growing up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Jesus, from whom, you know, um, dwarfism, I understand from those know more than me, they got all the parts of the body that work right, but they're not getting the hormone from the thyroid that brings growth. There's a growth hormone that the thyroid gives. And Jesus sends the spiritual hormones of growth to the body of Christ. We gotta depend upon him and he gives that. But you know what? There's also the importance of the individual members functioning. So this is what happens. From whom the whole body, being, in, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies. Every little part of the body matters for the functioning of the whole body. And that's true of the spiritual body and that's true of Moraine Valley Church. You matter you are vital, and you're vital to the revitalization of Moraine Valley Church in one another. From whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part. He could have said the proper working of the parts he could have said the proper working of each part, but he said the proper working of each individual part. He wants every person in this room that knows Jesus to know you are vital to the health of the body of Christ. And it's essential that you're functioning the way he's created you to function as a believer with one another and your spiritual gifts with others in the body. And when we depend upon Jesus to send the stuff that brings the spiritual growth and when we're all functioning the way that God's created us to function, he says here, it causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. You matter. You matter to Moraine Valley. Your participation in the lives of one another, both giving and receiving, is vital to the church and being what God's called us to be and it's vitalizing to one another. You know, um, I'm gonna illustrate this just two ways real quick. Um, I got a thing called drop foot. I did a funeral on Friday and somebody said, uh, is, your, is your foot bad or your knee bad? I said, no, it's my back. <laughs> my back destroyed my foot. And my foot affected my knee. And my knee makes my hip walk weird. And because this one hip on the left side walks weird, it throws the right side off. You follow what I'm saying? So when you see Pat, you say, oh man, it's painful to watch you walk, Pat. Yeah, it's, I get it. <laughs> my whole stinking body is thrown off. But it happened because of the back. 
because the arthritis that pressed upon the nerves of my back destroyed my foot, which impacted my knee and my hip, and the list goes on and on and on. You see the way the parts matter to one another? And that means if it was my back that impacted my foot that does all the rest of this, that means the person in the first row, if they're not functioning right, literally impacts the person in the last row of the balcony if they're not operating right. Because the whole body is impacted, fitted and held together and growing according to the proper working of each individual part. You matter. You are vital to Moraine Valley Church and the people of this church and the people of this community and you are revitalizing as you enter into what God has called you to be as the people of God. I experienced this week in just an interesting way. I had a funeral on Wednesday and as you know, Tuesday night was a terrible snowstorm and I, um, I spent an hour and a half just getting my the back end of the driveway ready so I can get out to be able to go to this funeral. Well, they never did the streets though. And I got a low riding car and there was no way I was gonna make it. There's no way, I mean, I couldn't make it out of my driveway. Well, they didn't plow the streets there and so I wasn't gonna make it. And I literally um, called the uh, funeral home and I said, guys, I, I don't think I can make it. I don't know what to do. I, I, I don't know how I'm going to make it there. And there was a funeral at four o'clock and the family's expecting and ready. And so they said, well, let us get on the phone, see what we can do. And let me tell you what happened that I didn't know happened is my wife, who uh, knew that I was out shoveling, knew I had this funeral and knew that I was worried I wasn't going to make it, uh, is in with a group of ladies of about four or five other ladies here at Moraine that text one another with encouragement and prayers. And so uh, Kim happened to mention on there, you know, pray for Pat. He's got a funeral and he doesn't think he can make it there. Just left it at that. Well, one of the ladies picked up on that and says, I know somebody that has a four-wheel drive car. And she contacted that guy. And as soon as I hung up with the phone with the funeral home, I got a text from this guy saying, hey, Pat, I hear you got a funeral today and you can't make it. I, I'm not working today. I'll come over and pick you up and take you there. So here you got somebody who sits right here, impacting somebody who sits over there, who contacted somebody that sits up there, who came back and contacted me, and we were able to bless somebody that sits over here with a funeral. That's the way the body works. We're interdependent on one another, the whole body, and your participation is essential, like a heart attack, not just like a shoulder separation, but like a heart attack. And if you're passively sitting back and disengaging with others in the body of Christ, Moraine can't be the vital church, at least to the degree that God created us to be. So as we go to communion this morning, I want to tell you about one other picture that's worth a thousand words. It's in 1 Corinthians 10. Because when we do communion, we normally do this. We normally think of the 
picture of the death of Jesus Christ and the shedding of his blood. There's another picture that scripture tells us that's equally true when we go to communion. It's supposed to, re, you know, communion's a reminder. It's a picture. <laughs> Listen to this in 1 Corinthians 10. Is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ? Is not the bread which we break a sharing in the body of Christ? Since there is one bread, we who are many are one body. Now he's talking about the picture of the church as the body of Christ. For we all partake of the one bread. So communion was also designed to remind us that we are the body of Christ and that we are dependent, interdependent upon one another. Now, today we operate with crackers. Uh, they operate with loaves of bread. <laughs> and so, you know, when they took the loaf and they broke off a piece and they broke, you know, into many, the, the one broke into many. Um, and so the picture they had in front of them was a loaf of bread that was one loaf of bread that was made up of many pieces as they broke the bed, bread. And so communion is really designed to remind us not only about our head, Jesus, and his death and shedding of blood for us, but about the body, us, one another, and how we together form the body of Christ. And this is what I want you to think about. There's one attitude that gets in the way of all this. By the way, if you need a cup, uh, raise your hand. We have some people going around. Uh, some of you that have, they'll hold their hands up. You can see. Um, if you need that. But Romans 12.3 shows us an attitude that'll stand in the way of all this. You can know all this. Remember what we learned last week, it isn't just what you know, but what you know, believe and do. Well, there's something that you can know it, you can believe it, that will stand in the way of you doing this. And it's found in Romans chapter three, verses three and four, this attitude. Watch for this as I read this. I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. It's called pride, isn't it? But to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, you see, for just as connects this whole thing, he's going into the discussion about the body, the many members, our need for one another. And you know what stands in the way of experiencing what we talked about today is the sense that I can do this on my own. I don't need others. And you know what? There's a sense that because what God says here is this guy's thinking more high himself and somehow he doesn't realize that God has given each person in the body of Christ the measure of faith. Each one has got a different gift. Each one has a different degree of what's going on. And the person who thinks they can do it alone doesn't realize how desperately we need each other. Pat's got to operate at 100% for you to be the best you can be, and you got to operate 100% for Pat to be the best he can be. And that's true throughout the whole church in hundreds and thousands of different ways. And yet many think, I can do this alone. I can do this without others. 
I can make, you know, you might have a lot of faith and you might have a big gift. But you know what? You're not operating the, God, the way God's created you to and you're missing out on what God can make you into and what he can make his corporate community into when you sit back and say, I can do this. Live independently. Don't get with other believers. Don't become partners with them. Don't live the one another's with them. Not experiencing the spiritual gifts together as we relate with one another. So if this is your attitude, you need to know that at best this series will only be a Bible study. You'll know more. You may believe more, but you won't do more because pride and independence self-sufficiency will stand in the way. And the reality is, if this is your attitude, Moraine Valley will never be all that God created it to be because we'll be missing out on your participation with us. And so while we're vital to the church, our effectiveness as a church will wane. And yes, even one another, if this is your attitude, there's brothers and sisters in this room who are gonna miss out on the revitalizing that God wants to bring to their life through his gifts and the one another ministry to one another because we're sitting alone doing it on our own thinking, I'm fine, I can do this. We desperately need one another for the glory of God, for the ministry to the one another, for the sake of the lost and for the sake of the life of Jesus to be uh, displayed through this body. So take a few moments. I think everybody's got their cup now. You might wanna pull off that little flap on the top if you can to get to the bread, but take a few moments. How's God speaking to you today? Do you have an attitude like Romans 12, three that stands in the way of you living this way? Take a few moments to reflect and we'll do communion together. Reflect again, we're a body of Christ. Not just Jesus' death, but the one another's with each other.